This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast. On March 28th, 2015, you have a very important decision to make. A decision that will affect firearms ownership now and into the future. I have my own personal voting habits, but this is not about me. It's about you and who you vote for at the upcoming New South Wales election. The audio podcasts you are going to hear for episode 80 and 81 are from two political parties who have policies that are positive for outdoorsmen. It is my hope that you will listen to these two podcasts and make a decision that will help hunters, shooters and fishers now and into the future. I am here to provide you with all the information to help you make an informed choice on election day. I am not here to tell you who to vote for, regardless of my personal voting choice. The show must remain independent at all times, and I'm sure all my listeners will understand my position. I have excluded any media on the Greens, Labor Party and the Liberal Party. This is because all those parties support the National Firearms Agreement of 1996. The Australian Hunting Podcast does not support the National Firearms Agreement of 1996 in any form, and we would always support any party who proposes to abolish it. In 1996, the Howard government committed the biggest attack on Australian shooters in the history of gun ownership in Australia. Today, we are still paying that price. I'd like you to remember that when you head to the polls on March 28th. If you want to secure your rights to gun ownership now and into the future, make your vote count on Election Day. Our future of gun ownership depends on it. My name is Jason Selms, and good luck on March 28th. This is Rod Drew, CEO of Field and Game Australia. This is Rob Fickling from Beyond the Divide and Maroka 30. Hi, this is Col Allison, hunter, journalist for 42 years and a shooter. Hi, this is Russell Mark, Olympic gold medalist. This is Charlie Jacoby from Field Sports Britain. Hey everybody, it's Tom Knapp and you're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Peter Whelan, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. Looking forward to having a chat with you about uh, shooting and hunting and all sorts of outdoor activities. Fantastic. Mate, tell us about yourself. Uh, a bit of your background. I mean, do you hunt, shoot, fish, all of the above, and sort of what sparked your interest in getting into the great outdoors? Well, I was uh, born and raised on a farm in East Gippsland. Uh, I'm 71 years old now, so it was back a fair while ago that... Uh, uh, when I was about age uh, 10, my dad had a cherry orchard. Uh, my job was to keep the uh, the birds off the cherries. Uh, he threw an air rifle into my hand, gave me a bit of uh, basic uh, instructions and said, you know, uh, keep all the birds off and you can have first uh, first pick of the crop. So I used to go around and, and uh, pick a little bag full and take them into school and, and uh, sell them, shilling a, little, shilling a bag. Probably my first commercial enterprise as well. So... Uh, Shooting, shooting and entrepreneurship uh, goes hand in hand, I'd say. So that was, uh, I suppose, from a farming background. You know, when I was about 12 or 13, I uh, got a semi-auto 22 and used to hunt uh, rabbits around the farm and uh, keep, the, keep the place, uh, try and keep it vermin-free. Uh, Dad, had, Dad had a couple of shotguns, so the, uh, the, ducks, the ducks that were on the dam, 
sometimes got into the uh, into the cooking pot. So it's uh, basically a uh, living off the land uh, uh, upbringing. Was that more just um, feral control, or was you yeah growing up like sort of was it a farm? Was it you know, and did your father obviously you said your father had shotguns as well? Did you have any brothers, or, or was it you know like that enjoyed it too? I was an only only child until I was about uh, twelve, and mum had a, a, a brother for me. Uh, so pretty much then we used to, I was the big big brother and we used to go around, yep, shooting, just keeping the place firm and free. Um, the the thing about the outdoor life and about shooting and, and hunting, it's not necessarily, a lot of people that don't, don't hunt don't understand this. It's about just enjoying uh, the great outdoors. I mean, we had uh, a lot of Aborigines living on our property, helping with the farm work. I went to school with them. Uh, I, I learnt uh, uh, tracking, you know, uh, what uh, kangaroos and wallabies were around, goannas, snakes, uh, just identifying wildlife, appreciating wildlife, and uh, that was natural to me. So when people say, "Oh, I can't understand why you, why you get fun out of you know shooting animals," so well, it's uh, part of my cultural heritage, the uh, same as the Aboriginals say so that's part of their hunting. Except you know, I didn't use a spear; I used a semi-auto twenty-two. Yeah, did um, you know it was shooting something that you did? You know, throughout your teenage years, was it something you did into your adult years as well? Did you ever sort of give it up and come back to it, or, or it's been something pretty constant throughout your sort of throughout your life? I suppose there's been uh, gaps. I mean, I've always had had a gun, even just sort of four ten when I moved up to Sydney uh, from uh, finishing my engineering course in Melbourne. Uh, you know, and got settled with a with a wife and family. Uh, Dad was quick to send me up a little 410, and he just uh, stuck it on the train and said, "Right, you know, go to the go to the station and pick up your 410." So, headed around the place, even if it was in suburban, uh, well, out of suburban Sydney, uh, on acreage. But uh, didn't really, I suppose, family and business. I started an engineering company in 1978. So I suppose through the 80s, uh, didn't really do much shooting. Although I was a member of uh, the Bansdale Field and Game, yep, and the uh, and the East Gippsland branch of the Australian Deer Association. Uh, mind you, I should uh, explain that uh, although my mum and dad are both uh, passed on, I still own the family farm and have expanded it. We've got about uh, thousand acres now around Lakes Entrance, uh, Meetung area, beef cattle, and uh, that's still I still consider that my home. Uh, so when I would when I would go down there front up, shoot some clay targets with field and game, uh, you know, go out looking for samba, uh, hog deer. Yeah. Uh, that's always been a part of my life, even though I haven't been as enthusiastic as I probably should have because, uh, as I said, business and a lot of overseas travel through business and then family takes priority. Um, I suppose now I've retired, I've got uh, passionate about it and getting in and picking up the, trying to pick up my, my younger skills. Yeah, exactly. At Lakes Entrance, I mean, I was—I think I was down not far from there in Malakuta a couple of weeks ago. Certainly, beautiful Malakuta, yeah. a beautiful spot for a brim flathead around there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Great yep. place. Yep. Um, Pete, tell us, uh, what sort of shooting do you get up to these days? Hunting or obviously, I know I mentioned we spoke the other day and you're uh, getting into pistols as well. You're into pistols. Tell us what sort of uh, disciplines you enjoy shooting and when you get can get down the range. Yes, look, um, one of my other... Uh, uh, positions is as president of the uh, New South Wales branch of the Shooters Union, which is a, a growing club. Uh, we shoot pistols uh, 
usually once a week. Uh, I've got uh, a variety of revolvers and uh, semi-auto handguns. Um, and uh, I'm not uh, ever going to be Commonwealth or Olympic Games standard, but, uh, you know, it's a good, it's good, safe fun, good way of turning money into, money into noise. Um, I've also got uh, some shotguns. I shoot uh, clay targets out at Cecil Park Clay Target Club. Yep. Uh, whenever, whenever I can to uh, meet my requirements of the uh, firearms registry. Um, yes, and uh, go rifle shooting. I've been pig shooting occasionally up. Uh, my uncle and cousins have got a place up uh, near Burke. Uh, try and get out uh, distance, uh, see, what, see what's around. Yeah. Deer hunting, usually. Hog, hog deer, I've got, I've got a share at a hog deer place uh, on the Gippsland Lakes, uh, Bull Pool. And uh, I've taken a few nice heads down there and a bit of meat. Yep. Um, beautiful. My wife likes it uh, when I can bring back a nice, uh, nice hoggy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, that's uh, I suppose a variety of uh, of shooting disciplines. Yep. Pete, tell us about the outdoor recreation party. What's your role? How did it begin? And what uh, your say? What are the core aims of the party? Yes, Jason, you're going back in history a bit now to before. <laughs> the 1999 New South Wales election. And uh, a few fellows interested in four-wheel driving uh, basically got support from the four-wheel drive clubs and uh, got enough members to start the Outdoor Recreation Party. And uh, they got a member elected to Parliament, the Upper House Legislative Council in New South Wales in 1999. And uh, we had that uh, position, although it uh, changed to a new person, uh, and there was to maintain that seat uh, through till the uh, election of 2006 when we lost that spot. Uh, now, the uh, the rules and regulations have become a lot tougher. If for the upper house, it's optional preferencing, so you can't uh, work the preferences with other minor parties uh, like you can in uh, some other states and in federal. So um, we'll be trying to get that seat back again in Parliament and the upper house and uh, representing four-wheel drivers, uh, you know, we're now spread across a lot of other uh, interests, uh, horse riders, mountain bikers, quad bikers, anyone who, who uh, likes to get out, out and about into the, into the great Australian bush. Yep. And, who's fi- and they're finding it more and more, more and more restrictions. Wherever they used to go freely, um, there's now a, now a gate or a, a concrete barrier. Uh, you know, our, our real great enemy is the National Parks and Wildlife Service. And uh, they're blocking off access trails, blocking off fire trails, uh, letting the uh, letting the ferals run wild. Uh, feral animals, I am referring to, not the, not the, not the greenies, um, but uh, and you know invasive uh, uh, bushes, weeds as well. Just the places are getting overgrown. A lot of the a lot of the national parks. So, yeah. Um, I know, as you'll be aware, I've uh, interviewed uh, David Lionhelm from Liberal Democrats. I know you're, you're pretty well involved with the Liberal Democrats too. What's your role with the Liberal Democrats as well? Uh, well, that's interesting, yes, because uh, we had uh, a bit of an overlap because we borrowed the Outdoor Recreation Party in 2004 for the federal election and uh, stood candidates in New South Wales for the some of the rep seats and some of the... Uh, the Senate seats uh, and our preferences, and this is a federal election, our preferences 
which went to Labor because we were anti-Howard, uh, the gun-hating <laughs> gun Prime Minister. Yeah. Um, so most of those candidates we stood were, uh, were firearms owners and uh, passionate about their shooting, wanted to uh, see Howard get a bloody nose. Well, um, our preferences went to Labor. Uh, it helped Labor get the Senator elected and, in fact, stop the Greens. Uh, getting elected. So that was the start of our uh, uh, Stop the Greens campaign, really. It was after that election, and really just a couple of things were mentioned to me about our candidate uh, and our, our uh, palpers down at Queen Bean, and they said, oh, what happened to those fellows that came across from Canberra? And we said, well, who was that? And they said, oh, there's a, a group of blokes came across uh, from Canberra, didn't like Howard. Uh, one of the guys went out and bought a gun uh, when, Howard, when Howard said he shouldn't. And one of the other guys uh, took up uh, smoking when the uh, anti-smoking laws came in in the clubs. So we said, who are they? Uh, and they said, oh, well, they're Liberal Democrats. So they'd got this little Liberal Democratic Party started in 2001. So David Lineholm and I started to get a bit of interest. They were registered federally. Sorry, they were registered for ACT, not registered federally. So we met up with them in around 2005, 2006, and... Uh, built up the party and uh, got federal registered and that's really where it's kicked off from there. We've now got a senator and we're um, registered in South Australia, registered in Victoria. Um, we're going around state by state and looking forward to the next federal election in 2006. Uh, sorry, 2016. Yep. <laughs> um, when uh, when uh, we'll hopefully get another senator elected. Yep, I know. Um, correct me if I'm wrong here. I know when... Um, I think it was David Lionhelm's speech, his inaugural speech into, into Parliament, and he said he, he uh, put the paperwork in late. Were you running for Victoria, and it might have resulted in, in, a, in a seat for yourself if you'd have put in? I'm sure he said that. <laughs> oh, 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 yes, okay, that's a thorny issue, Jason. <laughs> <Is that? laughs> um, yes, uh, that, that was, we had uh, uh, quite, a, quite a task to do in getting all the group voting tickets lodged because uh, you've only got a, really a few hours uh, to do your deals with the other minor parties. And, uh, you know, those things keep uh, changing as those other parties do other deals. So uh, New South Wales was our priority because David had the number one spot yep. uh, for the Liberal Democrats. Um, Queensland, we thought we'd have a good chance in uh, Tasmania. We got those in in time. Uh, but I think there was a problem with either the fax line getting through or the fax number was wrong. Um, I, I put it out of my mind because there's no point in being bitter. Uh, but uh, <laughs> if I'd, I was number two on the ticket for Victoria for the Liberal Democrats. Yep. Um, we know we've got a strong following down there. Uh, what might have been, we might have had uh, Senator, Senator Whelan representing uh, Victoria uh, in the Senate in uh, Canberra. So anyway, water under the bridge. Yep. Uh, move on. And they, and they did pretty well, uh, me and myself, you know, my uh, co-host Mario, who does another show with me, and uh, we uh, did a bit of a, a look at the Victorian election and uh, how it went. And, I mean, out of the pro-gun parties, I mean, SFP, uh, Country Alliance, I mean, Lib Dems got over about 106,000 votes, if I'm correct. You might be able to correct me on that, and did really well. We're now the fourth largest party in, in Victoria. By, by total vote. And that's, you know, considering the Liberals and Nationals as the coalition, one party, and Labor, and the Greens, and then Liberal Democrats. And uh, the pity is that we, uh, once again, because of the preferences, um, 
if they uh, some of the other minor parties had preference us a little better, we would have had uh, one, maybe two members in the Victorian Parliament. But uh, what was interesting, and uh, stepping back uh, a little, looking at the parties that did get, the minor parties that did get elected, uh, Sex Party, um, Shooters and Fishers, of course, were well done to both of those. Uh, all the minor parties had policies consistent with the theme of getting the government out of your well, out of your pocket and out of your out of your face. They had policies that basically said, well, in the case of the shooters and fishers, you know, keep your hands off my off my guns and my my fishing. And in the case of the sex party, well, keep your hands off my well, we won't go there, but um, you know, tell the government to keep out of my bedroom. It's a matter that's really we call it libertarian. Uh, even though you've got right-leaning and left-leaning parties that have got libertarian themes. But when you look at 25, probably more than 25% of people did not vote for the major parties. It's uh, quite a dramatic turn of events for Victoria. Mm. Yeah, and I was disappointed when I saw the saw the numbers you got. I thought if you know preferences that had been better, I mean, would have been even if a country alliance got up to LDP to SFP, it would have been you know really a fantastic uh, uh, showing for you know shooters in Victoria. For sh- absolutely. Well, I'd say good on the shooters and fishers. Uh, yes, it's a pity I've known and uh, been friends with the country alliance people for many years. Uh, they probably deserved a spot. Yes, it would have been good if we had uh, a Liberal Democrat, but. Uh, you know, let's not, let's not dwell on the past, let's look to the future. And there's, right now in Victoria, a by-election for Gippsland South. Yep. Uh, Peter Ryan um, uh, resigned. And uh, we've got uh, a Liberal Democrat standing in that seat. Good stuff. I know you, you, as they've developed around Australia, I mean, you're getting into a lot of different states. Now, I know uh, New South Wales is a bit of a sort of contentious issue. Can you, you know, sort of update us about any issue, uh, what's been happening with LDP uh, in New South Wales? And uh, will they be here at this election in 2015 or will it be the next, ele- next uh, state election in New South Wales? Or what are we looking at? Yes, interesting, interesting. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of, uh, without going into the changes of the rules... Uh, electoral rules after the 1999, uh, what they called the tablecloth uh, ballot paper. Uh, it's become very difficult for minor parties, uh, even the ones that are registered, to stay registered. And the Outdoor Recreation Party was registered by virtue of the fact that they had a member in Parliament. Uh, so we've uh, made sure that they've kept registered, keep the 750 members up, uh, for the that's the minimum requirement. Uh, in parallel with that, we tried to get Liberal Democrats uh, registered. Um, it's very difficult. They've got to respond to Electoral Commission survey. Uh, there's a lot of paperwork involved. Quite frankly, a lot of our members, uh, they're being libertarians. They hate big government, don't like bureaucrats, uh, don't like their taxes being wasted on forms and letters and reply paid envelopes. So, you know, the feedback we've had is that, uh, you know, they don't... They don't uh, not going to be so cooperative with the government. So that's, that's an issue we've, we face with, realistically. Yep. Um, so we've kept our recreation party registered. We had applied to change the name because the members said uh, that, you know, we voted on it. We had uh, a decision that uh, we should change the name of the outdoor recreation party to the Liberal Democratic Party. 
the electoral commissioner said, no, um, not allowed. Uh, Toing and froing of barristers, barristers at 20 metres, and then barristers at 10 metres, and then uh, put your guns away, boys, there's an election on. Uh, so we had to just uh, bite the bullet and say, right, let's uh, run without the Recreation Party. After the election, we'll review uh, the possibility of getting Liberal Democrats uh, registered uh, or change the name of the Outdoor Recreation Party. So we've got a, you know, I like to use, exp- I like to use uh, shooting expressions. We've got a double, a double barrel approach. Mm. Oh, well, hopefully that's something that happens in the future. I know a lot of people that listen to this show are interested in um, firearms policies, outdoor, four-wheel driving, horse riding, biking. Um, but obviously this show is about, um, you know, hunting, shooting and fishing, etc. So give us a rundown of your policies, what you would propose um, uh, for future, I guess, regulations here. You know, obviously we're talking about New South Wales, but, um, you know, what are your policies on hunting, target shooting, right. fishing, all of the above? Well, first of all, open up the national parks uh, to, uh, to feral, you know, eradication. Uh, really, really, we would love to do away with the firearms registry. Uh, that's going to be a big ask, but we've got to put it out there. Uh, there's too much paperwork involved with, uh, with firearms ownership, and it uh, has no consequences as far as the criminal use of firearms. So that's, uh, that's one of our main policies. As far as, uh, as uh, fishing is concerned, uh, we'd say, yes, uh, we should do away with the licensing for that, you know, whether we're a, we're a, uh, a dad or a mum and, and their kids can go out. Uh, yes, there should be bag, reasonable bag limits. Um, we don't want to uh, exhaust the resource, uh, but do away with the licence uh, system. That's, uh, once again, more, more government intrusion, uh, taking, your money, taking your money from you and uh, deciding where they can use it uh, in another direction. So that's uh, one of our policies as far as uh, fishing. But generally, it's uh, more more freedom. And if uh, any of your listeners want to look at uh, orp.org.au uh, or outdirectparty.org.au, look at the full list of policies, or uh, you can log on to the New South Wales Electoral Commission and we've lodged a 500-word summary of our policies uh, they're specific to New South Wales. Yep. Um, on the show, Pete, we normally ask people a few questions in regards to firearms laws here, so you can expand if you want to, but I'm just going to ask you just some yes and no questions, if that's fine. Go ahead. So self-defence, does the Outdoor Rec Party agree with self-defence and the use of firearms for self-defence? Self-defence is a fundamental human right, and the civil libertarians who tend to throw up their hands at the mention of of uh, guns, uh, not only guns, but guns, knives, pepper spray, uh, tasers, uh, you know, all those things should be available to uh, adults as they see fit and what they're comfortable with. And some people aren't comfortable with, uh, with uh, slinging a, slinging a, uh, a handgun uh, around, their, uh, around their shoulder or on their belt. And we say, that's fine. Um, Ladies should be allowed to maybe carry a knife in their handbag or pepper spray or a taser, something. Self-defence is important, especially for the, vul- the, vul- the vulnerable. Sorry, getting a bit tongue-tied. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. But I, just, but I do get excited about this topic because so many times we hear of a uh, you know, young lady going home from work late at night, gets attacked, and uh, 
the silence of why didn't she have something to protect herself. And for, for, a, uh, for a villain, someone uh, intent on, on doing, uh, you know, raping, raping burglary, it's just the thought that maybe their victim might fight back. That, that, uh, the possibility is there. They think twice, not in all cases, of course, because some of these are, are spontaneous, you know, mental, mental health problems. Yep. But you should be still, and the community should be educated how to protect yourself. And, Jason, it was very strange because there was a lady in one of the inner Sydney suburbs uh, was attacked going home from the shops. She'd bought a frying pan. She knocked the bloke out with a frying pan. <laughs> and the police and the police said, "Wasn't it wonderful? She had something to protect herself with." And I thought, what <laughs> is this? A, is this a turnaround by the police? And normally say, <laughs> "You're be. not allowed." You know, we'll we'll charge you if you if you're carrying anything. Yeah. And uh, if the police consider it to be an item uh, item of self-defence, even a screwdriver in a lady's handbag, if they if the police consider it to be for self-defence, it's it's a punishable crime. Yeah. Why are the police so quick, Peter? Why are the police so quick to, um, you know, say I can't defend myself? Why are they quick to, you know, often defend uh, the criminals when, you know, I have a right to go about my business unhindered, you know, with the possible, you know, of being attacked maybe? You never know. Look, we can discuss the uh, influence of the police and policing on society. True. Probably until we're blue in the face. But uh, I, I believe, and so many of our members believe, that uh, the police have become too powerful and too influential, uh, too powerful in our community and too intimidating. And if you've seen police patrolling, uh, you know, with their sniffer dogs at, uh, at uh, kids, you know, having fun in a park listening to music and uh, maybe smoking a bit of pot, uh, you know, the, the looking at those police, it is very intimidating. And we should not be raising our kids to think that they're living in a... Uh, uh, shall we say, what was one of the behind the Iron Curtain, the Stasi or the Gestapo or something. And that's the way it's becoming because it's just, uh, you're not free to go out and have fun even. Yeah. But the police are also have too much influence on the politicians in writing a policy. Mm. I mean, the community community voted the politicians in to, to write policy and then we see the police minister standing up and saying, well, the police have advised me that we should uh, blah, blah, blah. We should crack down on ammunition sales. I mean, that was the stupidest thing that the uh, federal government ever did. And they did a lot of stupid things. The ammo bill saying you've got to have all this uh, um, paperwork uh, and show your license when you're buying ammunition. Um, it's just incredible. And, uh, and it's, an, it's an imposition on firearms owners, licensed firearms owners, and it's, it will do nothing and has done nothing uh, to prevent criminal use of uh, firearms. True. Um, Pete, genuine reasons. Um, I don't think there should be any reason to, uh, to own a firearm. If I want to go and I want to enjoy hunting, shooting, uh, whatever it may be, I don't agree with any type of genuine reasons. What's the uh, ORP's uh, stance on a genuine yep. reason to own a firearm? Yeah, agreed. Agreed wholeheartedly. There should be no... If you, if you want the firearm, if you like the look of a firearm... Uh, semi-auto 22, semi-auto shotgun, pump-action shotgun. Uh, if you like the look and the feel of it, it suits your your style of uh, your lifestyle. I can say, um, including home protection, home defence, or shooting pigs up at Burke. 
that should be your choice, not the government's. In fact, that's a theme that runs through not only the outdoor recreation policy, uh, outdoor recreation party, but the Liberal Democrats. It should be your choice, not the government. Yep, and talking about, obviously, we're pistol shooters. I am, I know you are too. Um, you know, what about reduction in, I mean, you know, you can't even own a pistol for six months, 12 months probation. This is just in New South Wales. What about at least a reduction in red tape for, for, for pistol owners trying to go about their law-abiding activities? Yep, yep. It ties up a lot of police resources and chasing paperwork. It, uh, it's an inconvenience for the clubs. Uh, we've had, uh, for example, I went along to Shooters' Union uh, meeting last, last night when we were shooting uh, we had about half a dozen uh, potential new members fill out their P650. Uh, they've got to be supervised to shoot handguns. Members that come along and want to shoot, want to get their, uh, get their improve their accuracy, um, they're tied up looking over someone's shoulder to make sure they, uh, they can handle the pistol correctly. Yes, you need supervision, but the licensing uh, is the important thing. Once you're licensed, uh, you should be... Uh, off you go. Yeah, and, and between the different states, well, obviously federally with the uh, National Firearms Agreement, what would you do? Completely scrap it, rewrite it? What would you do? Well, uh, we do know that Senator Lanholm has been pushing to... Uh, and he's been pushing both, uh, both sides of Parliament, uh, the uh, Coalition and Labor, because we know that there are shooters in, active shooters in both of those uh, sides of Parliament trying to get their bang their heads together to say, let's review the National Firearms Agreement, let's scrub it all together if we can. Mm. So I totally agree with you. State, it, should <laughs> be a state, it should be a state-by-state state, uh, issue. State, states' rights, it comes back to the Constitution, and without uh, boring your listeners, and I'm not an expert in constitutional law, but I do know that we've had states' rights, not only in firearms, but in a lot of other areas, eroded away uh, by the big, uh, by the big uh, elephant in Canberra that seems to gobble up taxpayers' money and and uh, dish it out in little in little dribs and dribs and drabs around the country. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'll be. Uh, we're just going to go to a quick break. We'll be right back with Peter Whelan from the Outdoor Recreation Party. Don't go anywhere. For everything Bushnell, go to Red Fox Outdoor Supplies online store. For a full range of Bushnell rifle scopes, rangefinders, binoculars, night vision, spotting scopes, and Hoppies gun cleaning products. Red Fox are also major online retailers for the popular Aussie Maxbox brand and the rest of the innovative products distributed by Eagle Eye Hunting Gear, all at Red Fox Outdoor Supplies. So go to the website redfoxoutdoorsupplies.com.au or phone Greg on 0412 495 712. Do you hunt deer and want to learn the correct techniques for a quality wall mount and premium eating venison? SSAA Sydney Branch provides hunter education courses to help you become a better hunter and to utilise harvested game in the most effective way possible. Course content includes gunning, butchering and caping from experienced hands-on instructors using locally harvested deer. There is no gear required and also includes a barbecue lunch. Courses are held every first Sunday of each month with an 8am sign-in for a 9am start. Course running time is approximately 6 hours and the venue is Silverdale Rifle Range. Cost is $50 per person so call Andy Mallon at Silverdale Rifle Range on 02-4653-1440 or visit SSAAsydney.net.
This is an ad for the Liberal Democrats. But the Liberal Democrats don't want me to talk about them. They want me to talk about you. People should control governments. Governments shouldn't control people. In fact, the Liberal Democrats think the less you hear from the government, the better. Unless you're hurting someone, governments should get out of the way and let you live the life you want. The Liberal Democrats. More freedom, less government. Hey, Mars, did you know there's a place in New South Wales that gun owners, hunters and sporting shooters are very familiar with? Of course, Jason. That place is Horsley Park Gun Shop. That's because they've been around for 30 years and have built a reputation for being the best in the business. They have an extensive range of firearms, ammunition, gun safes, optics and accessories for all your hunting and shooting requirements. And did you know, Jason, they always have bulk ammo specials? Absolutely. The friendly staff at Horsley Park Gun Shop are always there to help you and give you the best advice. Horsley Park Gun Shop are open Monday to Saturday and you can find them on the internet at hpgs.com.au. Come and talk to the team at Horsley Park Gun Shop at 1848 Horsley Road, Horsley Park or call them on 9620 13 13. Right, Pete. Um, tell us. I know I've seen a few videos on uh, on YouTube with Ruthie. Ruthie's big into the uh, four wheel drive scene. What's the relationship between Ruthie and the uh, outdoor recreation party? Well, yes, uh, Ruthie is quite a character. Um, <laughs> based in based in Queensland, but I think uh, travels travels all over the country. A bit like the Leyland brothers, um, he uh, was our candidate for the outdoor recreation party in the uh, for the Senate for Queensland in the 2013 election. Uh, we also had uh, Rick O'Brien here in New South Wales. Uh, Rick does the, the four-wheel drive adventure show shown on TV. And we also had Simon Christie in uh, Victoria as the Outdoor Recreation Party uh, candidate. And I think this comes from our roots, as I said previously, roots in the four-wheel drive uh, movement. Uh, Ruth is still very much on side, and uh, we're very much active in supporting and promoting his... Uh, program that's called Unlock Australia. So Unlock Australia, get rid of a lot of this uh, government red tape, uh, get out and enjoy the great, uh, the great Australian wilderness while you still can. Ruthie was very active too with the uh, protest against the Stockton Beach here in New South Wales. Uh, a couple of years ago he had a big rally, uh, Stockton Beach, uh, for some of your listeners may know, was a, a famous stretch of beef beach north of Newcastle on the uh, east coast of Australia. Uh, well-known, good, fun place for four-wheel driving, camping, fishing, just uh, blazing about, getting away from it all. Uh, it's now been closed off. Uh, Ruthie organised a big rally that went from uh, basically Stockton Beach through to Sestock. Uh, it was uh, the plan to get the police in to direct the traffic. Rally, four-wheel drivers uh, gathered from everywhere to uh, protest against that to no avail. Uh, it's been locked, uh, we've been locked out of it. Uh, and I think there's an Aboriginal rights claim, Aboriginal claim, uh, sorry, land rights claim over the land. Uh, but the interesting thing is we hear uh, reports that the government are going to allow sand mining to carry, to be carried out. So they didn't want their pristine beach disturbed by uh, people having fun in their four-wheel drives and their quad bikes or fishing. But uh, it seems to be okay to destroy the beach by sand mining. So that's another fight we're, we've got on our hands. 
Yeah, we've got people, as you know, we've got a election here in New South Wales, and it's March twenty eighth, two thousand and fifteen. What's the first things you'd look at doing if you are uh, successful in getting into the upper house of parliament in New South Wales? Well, first thing is I'd be working as closely as I could with uh, the other uh, members of the upper house. Uh, of course, I know Robert Brown and Robert Borzak from the uh, Shooters and Fishers Party. I've met Fred Nile from the Christian Democrats. Uh, I've even, on occasions, met a couple of the Greens. But uh, <laughs> uh, we, we would we'd be doing our best to uh, to work with the uh, the rest of the uh, members of the upper house to get through and to pass any legislation which allowed more freedom for individuals. Uh, less red tape, less bureaucracy. One of the little things that we've, uh, some of our members have uh, said would be uh, topical uh, that we're going to start promoting is bring back krakenite. Now, uh, yep, yep. a lot of us, lot of us see krakenite as the start, you know, the thin end of the wedge, where the government said, right, you can't enjoy yourself in your backyard, uh, you can't enjoy yourself for the street party. Uh, you know, it's a good community activity. I've heard lots of stories that I was part of them, uh, of Krakenite getting together, have a bonfire, have some fun. Crackers and skyrockets, it's great fun. Uh, ban it, uh, and now you've got to, you know, go, go in on New Year's Eve and pay the government money to get a spot to sit on the grass and watch the fireworks. So it's just, uh, once again, um, a ridiculous regulation. Uh, we try and do things like that. It's a you know, chip away. Maybe the novelty things might get people's attention. The other thing we want to promote uh, is uh, reviewing all the speed limits in New South Wales, especially for country drivers. They've got long distances to travel. Uh, sitting at 100, 110 behind a row of trucks where you see a space you could pass and you're going to break the speed limit. Uh, cops are waiting in the, on the side of the road to, to book you. It's revenue raising, nothing to do with safety. So that's a. Yep. a, a, a we've got. I've had a lot of response from country people on that. Nice, nice straight roads. You've got open roads, long distances. It improves productivity if you can get to your destination. You know, get to your get to your uh, cattle sales uh, sooner. Uh, get back home to the farm uh, sooner. Uh, you don't. You don't. Uh, you don't. You don't uh, go to sleep. Uh, travelling at 130 or 140 kilometres an hour on a, on a good, safe stretch of road, but you are likely to die. Sorry, <laughs> you are likely to doze off. I don't say die of boredom, but uh, you know, sitting at sitting at 99 kilometres an hour <laughs> uh, is a very uh, frustrating way of travelling around this uh, this great country of ours. It is. Um, I know. Recently, obviously, we've had the uh, Sydney siege recently, Pete, and um, we know David Lionhelm, as you've just spoken, very, very big on gun rights. And uh, David hasn't held back, uh, especially during the uh, Lint Cafe siege, where Man's Monus or whatever his whatever his name is got you know access to a uh, restricted pump action shotgun. Some people say it's the right time. Some people say it's not the right time to bring up these sort of things. What's your so what's your individual thoughts on, on the matter? Do you think it was perfect timing? I talked I talk with David and some of our other members about that. We said, look, this is, this is, you've got to go in strong and hard, be consistent with policy, don't be shy about it, it's our policy, don't be embarrassed. The other aspect to that too was we had the Greens, I think Adam Bant, uh, and even, and even uh, uh, Prime Minister 
uh, what's his name? Yeah, rabbit. Um, <laughs> rabbit, rabbit. I just say rabbit, <laughs> rab, rabbiting on, rabbiting on about licensed firearms owners and getting tough on gun ownership. If David hadn't spoken out and the media thinking about that, it would have been the Greens and Abbott saying, "Oh, we've got to get, we've got to, we've got to ban more more guns. We've got to, we've got to get tough on." Uh, something, something. They would have tried to ban something. So it was really cutting off uh, the, uh, drawing the oxygen away from the Greens and Abbott in their anti-gun approach. Mm. So they did the right thing. We got a lot of favourable uh, comments. Some new members joined. I think the only criticism we got was was from a gun owner. Yeah. <laughs> he said, oh, no, we shouldn't, you know, this was, oh, we don't want, we don't want people... Wandering around the streets, you know. <laughs> so that, I think that's one of the big problems. Gun, gun owners have got to start thinking uh, forward. If we don't start or don't keep pushing forward, we'll get pushed backwards. Well said, Pete. I know there's been a big media fiasco surrounding Glenn McGrath and his hunting uh, in an African nation. Uh, as you're aware, you know, the Glenn McGrath runs the McGrath Foundation for, 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 for cancer. You know, his wife that passed away, you know, now he's been absolutely vilified. He's had his character assassinated, uh, you know, on Twitter, people threatening to, you know, we should have pulled the gun on himself. Um, do you think it's a bit inappropriate for him apologising for being a hunter? Um, what's your thoughts on the whole African hunting ordeal, you might say? I love, actually, Jason, I've been hunting in the, in Africa, I had, a, had a, uh, an engineering company in Johannesburg and for many years had a lot of uh, trips over there. I did a, I did a hunting trip. Uh, the the uh, South Africans and other countries, you know, in uh, uh, Tanzania, uh, uh, a lot of the other countries there are very much in favour of overseas money coming in, uh, taking a trophy. Uh, the locals get to eat the meat and they get employed on the hunt. It keeps their economy going. Uh, on a recent trip, I did uh, a, a holiday, Holiday. my wife and I went last year, uh, talking to some of the guides, and when you ask them, they're quite open about it, even in front of uh, the rest of the tourists uh, who mightn't be into shooting and hunting. They say, yes, trophy hunting, wildlife hunting, brings in much more to those countries' economy than people coming and photographing animals. So it's a, it's a very positive thing for those countries and it should be encouraged. Uh, poor Glenn was probably got out by his media advisors. I don't know what the background was. He should not have apologised. That's my opinion. Um, the, uh, the time was then to stand up and say, yes, it's good for the economy in those African countries. Um, don't shy away from what you do. It's been well known that uh, in the past that uh, Glenn was a an active shooter, hunter in Australia, pig shooting, uh, he should have stood his ground. This is what I was saying. A lot of hunters just don't get it. If we've got to, we've got to keep pushing forward, otherwise we'll get pushed back. Reminded me of, and without mentioning names, a well-known Olympic shooter, gold medalist, who, uh, <laughs> who privately, <laughs> privately would say, yes, uh, he goes shooting pigs and he goes shooting whatever and uh, shoots a few ducks when he's... Uh, uh, Abel, and uh, why don't you why don't you go out and uh, talk publicly about this uh, dot 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 name? 
oh, I couldn't say anything about that. The girls mightn't like it. Mm. <laughs> and we should be we should be encouraging women to uh, get into the sport. So that's that's I'll, I'll leave I'll leave that for your listeners to uh, draw their own conclusions. But unless we start standing up for our rights and fighting for our rights, um, they'll just get eroded. The example that I've that I've given at one of our uh, uh, and by the way I might add I was the national president of the Liberal Democrats for several years, although I'm now stepped away from that, but at one of our annual general meetings and people said, what should they do, you know, to expand the cause of libertarianism, uh, to uh, spread the word about, you know, low taxes, small government. And I used the example, I said, the Greens chain themselves to trees and lie down in front of bulldozers to get their message across. What are we doing? And, I'll, mm. and, I, and I keep asking that question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh, I'll just actually look at something here because I wanted to uh, come up with this question just after the African hunting, you know, McGrath saga. Now, Greg Hunt, and you probably know this one, Greg Hunt and MP Jason Wood are trying to stop uh, lion parts uh, coming back into the country. Now, this guy's, this Jason Wood guy seems a little bit dangerous, you know. He's a bit of a, buf- a, buf- a, bit of a buffoon. If you see him on uh, YouTube, you can see he can barely basically string two words together. It's quite embarrassing. What can we do about this? What can be done? Are we in trouble? I mean, people should have the right to, you know, bring items back into the country if they so choose. The uh, some of the critics of hunting and trophy hunting in uh, Africa are so ill-informed, and I could refer to particularly those two people in in Parliament. Uh, the comments that I've seen uh, referring to canned hunting. And uh, the the uh, the ignorant in the uh, uh, supporters of uh, of uh, hunting and you know stopping stopping bringing trophies back in, uh, the ignorant said, "Oh no, this is not fair because they they chain the the uh, the lions up, and then they shoot them, and then and then their meat is used. It's put in cans and brought back here to feed pets with, and that and that was what they thought was a canned hunt." Canning, canning the meat, canning the meat to be sent back here to feed your pets on. So there's so so much uh, misinformation, deliberate, deliberate, uh, uh, poor information. So I'll repeat, we've got to get up there, stand up for what we believe in, uh, and keep fighting. Exactly. Get out there, folks. You heard it. Write to your members. Write them emails. Whatever you need to do, we need to do it. I know, Peter, you and David, or David was on the committee uh, for the Sydney... Was it Sydney Inquiry into the banning of semi-automatic handguns by the Greens? Now, there was a lot of submissions uh, by a lot of pro-gun people, myself... Uh, John Lott from America, uh, you guys, uh, Shooters Union, you know, SFP, SSAA, quite a, a, a lot of people. I mean, how do you think it's gone so far? I mean, there's been a lot of uh, inquiry hearings around the country. Um, do you think we've done well? Because um, I've seen David, especially David and um, Bridget McKenzie, Senator for Victoria, do an absolutely fantastic job uh, in asking some very, very hard questions of the Institute of Criminology. and or, That was in the ACT, but also in um, also the uh, Attorney General's Department especially from David Lionel and Bridget McKenzie. So how did it go? What do you think? Just give us your general thoughts. Look, I'm not uh, up to date with the final uh, evaluation. Maybe they're still reviewing the I think it's due soon. I think it's due at the end of this month, yeah. Coming soon. Yeah, you're, I'm, I'm afraid some of these things are, you know, they're set up, they're set up 
and as one of the uh, one of the politicians said years ago, you know, never never set up an inquiry unless you know the outcome beforehand. So, you know, but the Greens, uh, uh, Senator Wright, I think it was, that set it up and chaired it. Um, <laughs> I think I think it would have been a pretty big eye opener for her to hear some of these uh, witnesses and to see the way that uh, David and Bridget demolished some of the these so-called expert witnesses who, it was shown, they didn't really have much idea. Yeah. Um, but look, um, we'll wait and see. I just, uh, I'm interested to see. I, I had fun uh, shooting little uh, little BB pellets around the inquiry room in the city. <laughs> uh, I, think I, I think I got a little few minutes on TV. You I did, don't, you did. I don't, I don't know that, that the panel or the TV people really understood what I was getting at. But, oh, the no. little pla- but the little plastic pellets uh, in the little toy gun that I used uh, <laughs> were, quite, were quite legal. But those same pellets, if they're used with an airsoft, uh, which is, which is uh, a copy of a, of a real handgun, they suddenly become illegal and prohibited ammunition, little plastic beads. So it's, it's crazy that some of the laws have got to that stage um, where something that's harmless is called prohibited ammunition. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. Just, just a real quick yep. one. Uh, yep. Airsoft, you'd make that legal tomorrow if you were given the opportunity? Oh, uh, should, be, should, should never have been illegal. <laughs> I agree. It, it should, be, should be legal. It's a fun way. Uh, I first came across that when I was travelling to France on business and uh, invited to one of my colleagues home for dinner and I saw his young boy out in the back uh, firing what looked to be a real handgun. I said, oh, what's that? Oh, that's airsoft. This was, goes back years ago. Oh, clinking, clinking at the Coca-Cola cans. Oh, what's, oh, let's have a look at it. Oh, this looks fun. Oh, yes, he's practising for a competition at his school. Um, they, you know, it's a normal sort of thing to, to introduce uh, young people to the safe uh, and proper use of firearms, and it should be uh, legal in Australia. Good stuff. I reworded my question here. I know we spoke yesterday. What do your thoughts say on our organisations in general, especially our shooting organisations? Uh, seems to be some different philosophies from a lot of different clubs, a lot of different organisations. Uh, one, I guess, do you believe they're doing enough for shooters and gun owners in general? Uh, and should they be doing more? And how can we all unite as one with a common goal? Yes, uh, that question has been the topic around a lot of... Uh after, a lot of after-shooting drinks, um, having a beer with your mates, say, oh, why don't, uh, why don't they do such and such? Why don't... A lot of the clubs want to be just shooting clubs. To comply with the law, their members can let their shoots in. They don't want to make waves, don't want to be seen as uh, uh, changing the status quo. Uh, they've learned how to do the paperwork, so they're the experts, so they know the, uh, the special summon up at the firearms registry, uh, their mate somewhere that will say, oh, yes, this looks all right, we'll pass that. Uh, they're part of the problem, I'd say. Um, without, uh, you know, naming names, I'm not going to criticise any groups because they're all uh, providing a, uh, uh, a valuable function in, in getting people into shooting, training, uh, complying with the law as it is. Um, you know, we don't really have a strong shooting lobby uh, like the NRA in America, for example. 
who are even gun owners of America. There's even even in America that I've coupled, got a couple <laughs> of competing organisations. <laughs> They're still um, better than what we're offering some of our well, organisations. The, you know, the membership of some of these clubs is very significant and very influential. Um, if they uh, got their act together and got a few of the clubs together and said in marginal seats for perhaps um, vote against the sitting member just to destabilise things, so you've got to show your muscle sometimes, you know? Yeah. And uh, as I said earlier, I don't want to repeat myself too often, but I'll say it again, if we don't keep pushing forward, we'll keep pushing back. And uh, some of the some of the, uh, the pistol uh, people uh, should have been tougher when uh, when Howard introduced his handgun bans, but uh, you know they said, oh, oh no, it's uh, it's he's legit he's legitimised our sport. Um, you know, meanwhile, it eliminated basically eliminated the sport of IPSC, International Practical Shooting Competition, uh, where you can't use 45s and. Uh, and uh, you know the high caliber categories. Yeah, uh, it's a pity. It's a pity what's happened to this country, and it's a pity what's happening. Uh, and more people that start to uh, to join the dots and say, "Hey, uh, uh, it's happened to uh, pistol shooters. It's happened to uh, rifle shooters, shotgun shooters. Uh, it's happened. It's happened to uh, cigarette smokers. Uh, it's happening to car drivers, where you get." Uh, for going a couple of kilometres over there, you know. Yeah. What's what's happening? Let's let's stop it. Stop it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's uh, that's generally uh, the theme of the Outdoor Recreation <laughs> Party. Just stop all these rules and regulations. Australia used to be. I mean, we used to be proud of our independence. You know, go out into the bush, uh, clear a bit of land, start a farm. Uh, you know, start exporting to the world. Um, now we're uh, pretty afraid to step outside our front door. We might get mugged because we can't uh, protect ourselves. Uh, afraid to afraid to ride your bike to the shops uh, without a helmet because oh, someone says uh, that it's uh, I'll, I'm going to get a fine if I don't wear my helmet to drive to the shops to pick up some milk. Yeah, it's a. Uh, Peter, no, the, uh, sorry, go on. Right. I don't want to be. I don't want to. I don't want to end on a sad and morbid theme. But <laughs> there is hope. You know, we've got uh, a lot of people out there from a lot of different groups uh, who have started to join the dots. And as one of the uh, our guest speakers at a national conference, uh, she spoke about uh, uh, some in America, some uh, uh, gay a gay uh, a bloke who was being followed, about to be attacked. Uh, you know, homophobic insults throwing at him. He uh, turned around and pointed his 45 uh, colt at them and said, now, come closer and say that, uh, and you'll be shot. And, uh, and she said, uh, this was Helen Dale, in fact, who's on uh, David Lionhome, our senator's staff. Helen said, a lot of people have got to join the dots, that freedom to marry is important as freedom to carry. So uh, that's a little, uh, a little theme that I like to tell people, you know, join the dots, get... Uh, Get involved, get political, whichever whichever uh, party you want to vote for. Make sure it's one that's promoting uh, freedom and liberty and less bureaucracy and 
that's government interference. Yep. Pete, at the recording of this interview, we've got probably three, three and a half, maybe four weeks, and, or three weeks, three and a half weeks until the election. So what would you, this is, I guess, your chance to say to the people, the people listening to this show, some 30 plus thousand people, uh, potential ORP voters, Outdoor Recreation Party voters, you know, what are you going to do and what can, you know, what can they expect from you? And, you know, why should they vote for Peter Whelan? This is your chance to tell the voters, you know, what, what you're going to be able to do and what you need from them and what oh. you can do. I'll, I'll stand up strong for the rights of everyone, not just the people who vote, voted for me, but everyone who wants more freedom and less bureaucracy in their lives, whatever, whatever. I mean, I was in business for uh, 25 years, an engineering company, and the amount of paperwork as a small business, it's just horrendous, the amount of tax you pay. Uh, never, mind, never mind when you get the chance to go out in your four-wheel drive or go fishing or hunting. Uh, it's just a burden that is spreading throughout the whole of the community. So I'll, I'll be fighting for, for uh, the rights of those people to get the government out of your pocket and out of your face. Yep. Good stuff, Pete. Just two very quick questions. Um, I, I just got this from an uh, email uh, listener, which he wants me to ask more questions of my listeners, which I normally do, but give us your favourite firearm you own and one of your favourite game that you like to hunt. Favourite of all. Favourite firearm and favourite game. Uh, okay, uh, my favourite right now is my uh, uh, Remington 1100 semi-auto. Shotgun, that'd be uh, shotgun, yep. Shotgun, yes, yep, 12-gauge shotgun. Um, and uh, that's the uh, 50th anniversary model, uh, and I still have my father's original from early 60s. Wow. Remington 1100. <laughs> uh, bit of a Remington fan. Beautiful, beautiful Remingtons, yes. I've got a few, a few Remington rifles as well, uh, and... Uh, Anyway, look, um, favourite game, favourite, uh, uh, I, like, I, like, uh, I like the hog deer. They're little, but they're tasty. And, <laughs> and, and, they're, very, and they're, very, they're very easily spooked. Uh, can I, I'll just tell you, if I've got a couple of minutes extra, about a very interesting hunt. Yep, tell us that, a story, that, Pete. That's how we always that, finish off. Tell us okay. one of your good stories, you enjoy something right. that you remember fondly. And this was, this was spine tingling. In fact, the... the uh, the, uh, it's going up and down my, up and down my back now. Uh, I had well, I had a lot of business in around Toronto in Canada, uh, Calgary and Vancouver. Travelled over there a lot. Had business interests, uh, investments there. On one particular trip, uh, would have been early 2000s. Uh, went across there for business meetings uh, with GE and a lot of the other companies. Very, very high powered. I thought, you know, getting involved in in uh, all the business around the world and uh, at the pub uh, at the end of the conference the chaps were talking oh it's the start of white-tailed deer season in northern Ontario and my ears pricked up they said oh oh you're into honey I said well I yeah. gave them a bit of a rundown of what I do they said oh they said, oh are you still allowed guns in Australia are you I said well yeah we can, you know, and <laughs> limit, limit of one per customer had a bit of a joke but uh, the more I got talking and the more they were enthused about uh, my background, they said, quick, extend your stay, cancel your flight home. Um, it's uh, the, the uh, start of the hunt uh, for the whitetail in this particular area uh, was the first Monday in November. Uh, and uh, I said, I'm just in my business suit. I got off it. No, never mind. Uh, got on the plane, told my wife I'm going to extend for a few days. Um, they, they uh, quickly rushed me into the, uh, the Canada Tire 
the supermarket sort of thing, all sports gear there. Got my uh, full blaze orange outfit, uh, thermal underwear, a couple of sets of thermal underwear. I never owned thermal underwear before. <laughs> uh, all my all my uh, my uh, wet weather uh, snow type boots because it was just the start of snow season, and uh, uh, loaded up uh, the next day, I think it was, to go up to northern Ontario, uh, where with about uh, 15 or 16 other blokes, I was introduced to them. From all, they come from all over Canada, but a lot of them are engineers, uh, working in, uh, in engineers, engineering, construction, uh, a few common interests there, talked about hunting, talked about hunting in Australia, hunting in Africa, uh, you know, the normal thing, have a few beers, get a good night's sleep early in the morning. We start the the uh, the draw. I said, "Oh, what's the draw?" Oh, um, we drive. We drive. They get a. They get a. Uh, it's like uh, like we go on a fox drive where you get beaters at at oh, uh, yeah. one end. Yep. Yeah. And I, I this was uh, new to me. Uh, you know, normally I'll go out and maybe sit in a tree for hours or watch for a bit of sign and do a bit of quiet, careful uh, tracking of. Uh, you know, a little trace of samba or something. Uh, but no, they said, oh, no, they, uh, we go up there and we uh, scare the whitetails down here and then there's another line of uh, shooters. I thought, this, this could be risky. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sounds interesting. But, uh, yeah, but we're, honest, we're all in absolute top-to-toe of blaze orange, uh, which against the snow, the snow was just, it was probably a few millimetres of snow covering the ground. Um, but uh, we're all stretched out at about probably 100, 120, 150-metre intervals across this huge... Uh, it was privately owned uh, uh, area. Uh, and uh, that's how they shoot whitetail. And uh, we got a few. I got one. Uh, it's a pretty much a community effort, although we, you, know, you can claim, claim bragging rights. Uh, but they're a great fun. They go over uh, probably three or four days. Um, trophies uh, is the main thing. The trophies are, are uh, either taken home. I didn't bother bringing mine home. It went up in the clubhouse that they've got built there. Uh, so what happens to the meat? They butcher as much of it as they can. And then come Easter time, they take over the golf club at, uh, in out, the outskirts of Toronto and all the families are invited, the wives, the children, uh, Michael's aunties, and they have a big cook-up. And then uh, they also make sausages out of it. They said, well, the sausages you've been eating uh, during the camp here for lunch and dinner, uh, that was from the white-tailed deer that we shot last year. So it's good fun. Nothing's wasted. Uh, it's, uh, it's a great experience. Got lots of Got lots of photographs, but even more importantly, Made lots of friends and uh, got lots of memories. That's about that's about hunting. Exactly, Peter. That's what it's all about: memories uh, and enjoying yourself. If people wanted to find out more about the outdoor recreation party, uh, how do they go about it? So, websites, Twitters, emails, phone numbers. Where can they find out more about ORP? Outdoor recreation party has uh, the main website is org org dot au. Uh, there's a couple of Outdoor Recreation Party Facebooks as well. There's a group and a page. Uh, just search for Outdoor Recreation Party. 
uh, we've also we're also on Twitter, Outdoor Rec Party. Yep. Um, what else? An what email, else? Any uh, emails? Uh, they can contact you via email or. Oh look, yeah, my email is uh, my Liberal Democrats email, which is nsw. That's nsw at ldp.org.au. Fantastic. That'll, that'll find me. Yep, Peter Whelan is running uh, at the March 28 election for the Outdoor Recreation Party. Peter, thanks for your time and good luck at the election coming up this year. Yep, thanks Jason and thanks to all your listeners and uh, subscribers who support the great uh, Australian Hunting Podcast. You've just been educated and this is the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.